Amen. Hello, everyone. And you guys don't sound like you're in the Christmas spirit. Good morning, everyone. That's great. That's better. That's better. My name is Jermaine Moore, and I am one of the pastors here at Grace Covenant Church Sterling. That's, that's weird to say. I pray for every one of you every day that, because I'm your pastor, that's scary. Very scary. Or one of your pastors. So um, we've been in a series um, on the fruit of the Spirit, where in Galatians 5.22, it reads, do we have that on the screen? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against, against such things, there is no law. And I've been really enjoying this series. Have you guys been enjoying this series here? Is, any, is anyone like me where you thought it was fruits of the Spirit and not fruit of the Spirit? Yeah, yeah. There you go. He's with me. I, let me tell you why this, is, this revelation for me this feels so silly, but this revelation for me means so much. It's because I've been looking at it as, this, as the plurals, fruits of the Spirit, and going after these things. I'm praying to God for more self-control. God, give me more peace. Give me more patience. Give me the ability to be more kind to my kids who are driving me crazy. And I'm, I'm praying for these things. But ultimately, what, what makes this or brings this home for me is that if it's singular, and I don't necessarily or I don't have to go after these things, all I have to do is go after the one who has all of these things. And it's been so, so eye-opening for me because all I need is to go after Jesus, and then I can be kind. And then I can be loving, and then I can have peace, and I can have joy. And so that's been really great for me. And I think we can just end the service there. Is that okay? No? We're going to continue, though, to talk about kindness this morning. I'm going to get fired my first day here. As, um, and so today we're talking about kindness. My, my hope is that I uh, can redefine kindness for us and how kindness in its greatest form is revealed to us in the person of Jesus, and how that kindness changes us as we receive it, and as it is expressed to us. And then as we get that expression of kindness to us, we can then release that and express that to others. And so our text that we're reading from today is Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Can we stand as we read the word together in reverence to the power and authority of the word in our lives? You ready? One, two, three, go. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your word today. I pray that not only has, has it changed me, but I pray that it would change others as they hear it. Um, Lord, and we would be uh, pricked in our hearts to your kindness that you've expressed to us. 
Lord, we thank you today that we won't be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So what is, what is kindness? Webster defines kindness as the state of being kind. That's very helpful, right? Um, a more in-depth study would, would incline me to describe kindness as, as a, a quality, a, a rich gumbo-like quality, a, a mixture of, of feelings, high-quality feelings, right? There's, there's friendliness, there's um, generosity, consideration, empathy, compassion, and these strong feelings push us to act. So, so the feelings are the ingredients that we have in the gumbo, but the kindness is what we serve to those, and that's what they receive. Does that make, that make sense, right? I'll give you an example here, um, and this came to my mind because I'm sure we've all experienced this. Have you ever been talking to someone and had seen that they had something dangling from their nose? Uh, can I say booger from the stage? Okay. <laughs> say, say, I can say it. Okay, so the, say they had a booger hanging from their nose. And, and you're in a in your quandary because you're like, hey, should I say something? Or do I not say anything? All right? No? See, I, I have empathy for this situation because I've, I've been there. All right? Where I've had this long, deep, like, conversation with someone that I would consider a really close friend, and we're talking, and it's a really great conversation, and then I go and talk with other people, and then I find myself in the restroom, and I look in the mirror to only see that the whole time there was something hanging from my nose. Right? That's real. But that's the difference between being nice and being kind. Right, because the, the the nice person says, "I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want to make them feel awkward." Right, but the kind person says, "I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't make them feel awkward." But, bro, <laughs> I'm gonna need you to go and fix your face real quick. <laughs> can can look at someone and, and 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 be like, "Look, man, your you know your your breath isn't really like it's, it isn't bad, but." It's, it's, it's not great, right? So maybe possibly we can go get some toothpaste together. Um, <clears throat> I can appreciate someone that, that can tell me, hey, hey, brother, look, your, your jeans are, are maybe a little too tight, right? <laughs> it's kindness. So you can, you can, you can mix... You can mix niceness in with the kindness, um, but you don't necessarily have to have the niceness to be kind, um, and, that's, and that's kindness. This is, how, this is how the Bible basically defines kindness or describes kindness. It, it is acting upon the compassion and empathy or concern to meet a particular need without expectation or reciprocity, and the kindness that's typically expressed is undeserving most of the time. The specific word that we see in Titus that we read and in Galatians that we read is better said like this. I can't actually pronounce the Greek word, so I wasn't going to try, but the actual word is useful kindness. Means refers to kindness that meets a real need in God's way in his timing. 
And if this is kindness, and this is why Paul says it like, like this in the verse 4, where he says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God appeared, mm-hmm. kindness appeared, because yeah. there is no greater need for us than to be saved. There is no greater use for kindness than for us to actually be restored back into a relationship to the Father. And so God in his compassion, he sends Jesus to meet our most desperate need. So this to us is our greatest revelation of kindness expressed to us in Jesus. So in the same way where we um, describe or we define love, by 1 John chapter 4, where we say, God is love. It's the same way today that I'm kind of laying this out for us today, hoping to redefine kindness. Very simply, that Jesus is kindness expressed to us. Does that make sense? I need some amens. I'm sorry. Um, Amen. That's good. So we can't fully understand what kindness is until we can grapple with and grasp Jesus as kindness expressed to us. And, but here's, here's the rub. We can't really grasp it until we understand that we don't deserve it. It's really, it's really difficult for me to say and difficult for me to hear, and I've been hearing it all week as I've been studying it, but it's the truth. And truth is kind. And it's super important here because, and Paul puts it here for a reason. If we read in, in verse 4 when he talks about kindness appearing, and then in verse 5 he says, not because, where are we at? Not because of works done by us in righteousness, yeah. but according to his own mercy. Our understanding of mercy is, is foundational, I would say, to our appreciation of exactly how much kindness God has shown to us. Uh, my, my view of mercy is sometimes limited, and mostly because I feel super entitled to some of the things that I have, and I expect things, right? But the Bible is very quick and very direct in putting us all in our place, and it's really all in the same place, whether it's the most the most heinous sin or the highest earthly good, we all end up on the same playing field. I'll read this passage here in Romans chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. This is it's pretty harsh, and it's the Bible. It's not me. So it says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Ouch. And and Paul, in this context, in Romans, he's describing the gap between man's righteousness and God's righteousness. And if you read it, it's a really big gap. Um, But he's using the same word. The same word that he uses for, for kindness in Titus is the same word that he's using here for good in Romans, that basically there is no one that operates to the highest level of good. There's no one that is kind enough or good enough or useful enough um, in pointing someone to Christ. Make sure I said that correct. 
that even the kindness we offer, no matter how kind, no matter how useful, no matter how good we are, outside of Christ doesn't ultimately bring anyone close to God or brings God glory. And it, it, it may bring them closer to, like, if I did something nice to Pastor David, it may bring Pastor David closer to me. Or it may push him closer to someone else or to something. But ultimately, God doesn't get the glory in that. I get the glory in that. And typically, the good things that we do are, are mostly, or I say that I do, um, can be mostly self-centered in hopes of feeling good on the inside, right? Being able to uh, add some meaning to my life. Does it make sense? But ultimately, it, it, all, it all falls short, just like everything else, if we're putting it in comparison to who God is. The, the other day, I was, I was in the office. It was uh, Friday morning, and I was there early praying in the office. I say that because I was there early praying in the office, and no one else was there. <laughs> quickly realized that I'm the holiest and most Christian person. <laughs> on our staff. And I, and I was looking, I began to look out the window and um, I started looking at everything and started naming everything that I was seeing and ascribing it to God. And I was looking at the, the trees and I would say, oh, that's, that's so God in the trees. And I was looking at the, 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 the sun, the sun and the clouds in the sky, and I could look far away. I could see mountains, and I could see grass, and I could see leaves, and I could see pavement, and I could see people and buildings, and I just started thinking about all of these things that I, was, that I started to see. And immediately, as I started to name them and look at them, I realized two things. And as, as high of a view that I have of myself, I realized how much I don't know. And I realized how big God is and that I'm not him. Amen. And that deserved a bigger amen. Look, I, <laughs> I had, I'm not him. <laughs> That's, I don't know if you're saying you're happy that I'm not him or whatever. Um, but, 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 but God is so big. And I had a, a, a revelation in that moment that God is so big, that he's, he's so all-knowing. All the things I don't know, he knows. All the things I can't see, he sees. And then he's all-knowing and all-powerful that he holds the world in his hand so delicately but so firmly, yet he knows all of the hairs that are on my head. That's... There's, I mean, there's... there's Hair, hair follicles. <laughs> All the hairs on Pastor David's head. And let me, let me tell you, I, in that moment, me realizing who I was not and who God was, it was, it was like my Isaiah moment where I could hear the angels crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I'm, I'm telling you, I was toast in the office. The staff, you guys should have been there. You would have felt this amazing <laughs> presence of God that had fell in the office. But I was, I was wrecked, wrecked in that moment, realizing that this, 
this God who knows everything deserves my adoration. He deserves my worship and my praise and my reverence. And most of my life I spend not thinking about him at all. And most of my life I spend exalting everything else, my kids, my wife, my job, my family, everything, my things, I exalt them above God. I'm not the only one, obviously. <laughs> We've been doing this since Adam and Eve, right? And where they exalted themselves above, above God. Where we can, we can easily exalt people and things above who God is. And let me, let me tell you, if I were God, you're going to have to put some respect on my name, right? That's how I feel. I'm, I'm Xing everybody out. <laughs> I just... I would have started over a long time ago. I'm just being, I'm being honest. And I'm being honest because we, we see that in how we do relationships. I mean, we give people exactly what they deserve. When, when they offend us, we are quick to cut off a relationship, to end and sever that thing. Because that's offensive. We are quick to get really angry and lash out for offenses that are way less than how we treat and revere a holy God. Mm. But when the tables turn, we don't really want what we deserve. Right? Give us grace. But what we do deserve is not pretty. Romans 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. And we've earned it. We deserve death. God's, God's ultimate wrath, God's judgment, that's exactly what we deserve. But God saves us, not according to what we deserve and not according to what we do, but he saves us according to his mercy, his mercy. And Paul doesn't let the readers here off the hook. These are believers that he's speaking to doesn't even let himself off the hook. We can put verse 3 back on the screen. He says this, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. I mean, this is, this is him basically telling the people, Listen, this is, you're not out of this boat. You're in the, the same boat here. I'm help, hoping to help you to remember who you once were. And sometimes we look at something like this and we say, I'm really not, I wasn't some of these things, right? So, so my, my thought would be if you just take the first five words there, and you can move out all the rest, and you can say, for we ourselves were once. Yes. And you can put whatever you want after right. the blank. That's right. We ourselves were once something. Yes. And whatever that something is, it separated us from God. Until God in his mercy saved us, sending kindness and sending Jesus. 
I'm, I always get choked up when I'm, I get to this part because remembering sometimes is really good. Because I'm remembering now my, my, my once were place. Listen, we're saints, we're saints in the building. Like we, you know, we weren't always here. Yes. All right? We weren't always here raising hands and saying hallelujah and, you know, how are you doing, brother? We're good. Yeah, good. That's, we weren't. We weren't, all, we weren't always there. Maybe Jesus, maybe Pastor Eddie, but <laughs> I know for sure it wasn't me. And I'm here to say this morning, there is a, a but when God in your life, when your actions and your lives deserved something different than what God gave you and God stepped in and intervened in your life and saved you and changed you and brought you into his family. But when God, come on family, say it with me, but when God, that's the process of sanctification too, by the way, that God continually butts into our life changing us from who we once were, pushing us in, into purpose. This, this, is, this is the gospel, right? This is the gospel. Um, this is obviously Advent season, though. But if Advent means we, we're celebrating Jesus coming into the world, this, there's no greater example than what we're talking about this, this morning. Kindness, kindness of God appeared in Advent. <laughs> That humanity was, was on this, this sinking ship in forbidden waters. I love how Pastor Eddie talked about it this, this morning. And God, God didn't just step away and spin earth and go, you're on your own. But us facing this certain doom, God doesn't just stand by and say, look, man, I, I told you so. Or he stands there in his feelings as I would. God extends, number one, God, God acts, so he has these feelings, this mixture in the gumbo, but he has all of these feelings, but he doesn't just stand in them, he acts upon them, yeah. and steps in to history yeah. in the form of a little baby, wow. <laughs> Jesus, yes. who grows up, and, and, and he's God in flesh, lives the life that we should have lived and dies the death that we deserved to die. Rising from the grave, changing our destiny and changing our purpose. Uh, this, is, this is kindness. This, the kindness of God is the fullest expression because there is no greater kindness because it meets all of our needs. Every single one of those needs. It doesn't just, he doesn't just leave us where we are, but he saves us. And he doesn't just save us, but he brings us into his house. Yeah. And he doesn't just bring us into his house. He clothes us. He cleanses us. Then he doesn't just cleanse us and clothe us, but he adopts us into his family. Yeah. And we become heirs to everything that he has. Jesus. We're made new and given a new name and we're transformed Verse 5 says this by, at the end, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7 ends like this, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs 
according to the hope of eternal life. As heirs, can you say heirs, heirs, heirs? We're, we're not outsiders, right? We're not, we're not even that distant cousin and relative that we, no one likes to talk to or speak to, right? At family reunions. That's not who we are. God says you're not an outsider anymore. You are a son and daughter of the Most High God. You are an heir. And what does that mean to us, this new identity, is that we get access to everything God has made available through Christ and to Christ. Everything that is in Christ becomes ours. So when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit that are in Christ, they become ours. Love becomes ours. Joy becomes ours. Peace becomes ours. I'm going to try to get through all of them. Patience becomes ours. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. They all become ours. So here's our, here's our application this morning. Um, that we're not talking about the golden rule. I mean, the golden rule is where we, we consider how we want to be treated, and, and that's reflected in how we want to treat others. But we're going to the next level here when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit and kindness, is that we don't consider how we want to be treated, but we consider how Christ treated us in his kindness and then that's the level of kindness that we then extend to others. Let, let the fresh appearance of his kindness today bring you, if you're not in a relationship, I hope that it would bring you into relationship with Christ. Amen. If you are in a relationship, I hope that the fresh appearance of kindness of Jesus today would bring you into a deeper relationship with Christ. That you will let his kindness, Jesus, give you fresh revelation of how much you've been forgiven, how much you've been loved, how much God has never stopped chasing after you, how much God is pursuing you, how much God encourages you and pushes you into your purpose, how much God humbly gave all of himself for you. And as you consider that and you grow in that revelation, I pray that you would let his kindness become the, the filter with how you actually give kindness to others. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Father, we thank you for your kindness appearing to us through Jesus. And Lord, we receive that kindness today, even though we don't deserve it, when most of our lives would push and turn opposite of you. In your mercy, you've given us kindness. You've expressed kindness to us. And so, Father, I pray right now for us that we would receive a fresh outpouring of your kindness today, that our eyes would be open to how kind you are to us today. Thank you, Lord, for the person here today whose eyes are open to your kindness today 
And it's going to change their relationships at home. And it's going to change how they relate to their kids and to their spouse. Thank you, God, today for kindness appearing to us. With our eyes closed still and heads bowed, an opportunity for someone today who has heard this message and the kindness of God is fresh for you this morning where you're saying I I don't deserve it man even last night what I did how I lived my life was opposite of God but in his mercy God saves you not according to what you've done so if that's you today and you want to turn and give your life to God, would you raise your hand in this place this morning? I see that hand. And once it's up, you can put it down. I see, I see those in the back. Look, see that hand. Once it's up, again, you can put it down. Thank you. Father, we, we, we pray right now for those whose hands were raised. As your kindness has appeared to them, as you have shown yourself and they've encountered you through this word, through this text, um, that they say, I'm sorry, Lord. I repent for the way I've lived my life. And Lord, I receive your kindness, receive your mercy, I receive your love today, and I turn and give my life to you. So, Father, we thank you for your word today and the challenge of your word today. In Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen.